Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Why did you want to do public service and why specifically county management? Because it's not like a lot of youngsters grow up going, you know what, I want to be a county manager. But yet you specifically went to school for this because I've looked at your background and very um, impressive, especially grad schools, very impressive schools. So how and why? Well, I think, I mean, if you looked at my background at all, you might know that I actually was a social worker when I first started um, out when I was in college. And so when I actually was and worked as a social worker, I realized that I didn't really like the clinical aspects of social work, but I really liked the public policy parts of that. And so um, when I went for my master's of public administration, it was really because I wanted to work in local government from a policy perspective. Now, the whole county manager thing kind of came later because as I started to work in local government and then I was a finance director, a budget director, you get to a point in your career where, particularly when you don't work in a manager form of government, you sort of reach the highest that you can, you become the highest ranking non-elected official. That's where I was when I was in Connecticut, the highest ranking non-elected city official. And if I wanted to do more with my career, I had to become a manager. I had to work towards that. And so um, it, I didn't start out being wanting to be a manager. I didn't really understand that when I first started out. But as you go through your career and you learn more about it, that's sort of where it, the path that it took me. I know the attitudes are different. Is politics different between the Northeast and the Southeast? It's not. I mean, politics is politics. Um, and I think that's... I think that's why I've been really successful because I understand sort of how politics works and I can work in that environment and it, it just, it really is very, very similar. The personalities may be different, but politics is pretty much the same. Now you do have a Northeastern attitude, which I tend to have a Northeastern attitude. What does that well. mean exactly? Northeastern attitude <laughs> means that you don't pull punches. I do not. Um, you know, it also means that you're direct, but it also means that you're not afraid to voice your opinion or say something as opposed to backing down. Sometimes people get their feathers ruffled by that. Do you find the same thing sometimes here where politicians will come up to you or confidants will come up to you and say, Dina, you know, maybe, you know, a little bit more sugar and less this or you're so direct? Well, I think overall, no, not really, but I do, I do try to check myself. And sometimes I'll ask one of my colleagues, like I'll write an email and I'll send it to somebody and say, read this before I send it to make sure that I'm not, you know, stepping over the line. And sometimes they say, oh, you shouldn't send that. And sometimes I say, no, you're fine. So I recognize that I have that, um, that I could have that impact on people. So I really try to check myself. And the other thing that I will say is that I used to be far more direct when I lived in the Northeast than I am here. So I've, I've toned it down considerably since I've lived in Charlotte. Well, I mean, that goes to the last few months when unprovoked, you came out and just went after the city about Tent City and allowing things to happen and how you reached out to the sheriff and everything else and the city manager. Generally, you don't find government people in government that will do that. So do you, did you catch a lot of grief for that? No, I didn't. Um, you know, it, it was calculated. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest about that because people said they wanted to help me and that they were gonna help me and then when they needed to help me, they, they wouldn't or they didn't or they couldn't for whatever reason. Um, and so, you know, that, for me, that couldn't go unchecked. I really needed to be able to say, you know, it's not right what's happened here and that the county's left holding the bag for this. Because I think that's what, they were hoping that they were just gonna be able to bail and that I wasn't gonna do anything about it. And I think the point I made is don't do that to me because I will not let you off the hook. When you make a commitment to help me, 
I expect you to follow through. You know, between the city manager and Sheriff McFadden, and I mean, there was, there were some, uh, for lack of a better term, daggers thrown. You know? Absolutely, but you know, when you're in the battle, sometimes you have to fight hard. So, and that was a, that was a very, very, very difficult situation that we were dealing with. And I think maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably part of the problem that maybe hurt you um, was the fact that, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't part of that on Tin City, like actually on city property? Yes, it was. So that, I mean, I can understand, like, why are we having to take care of something that's on the city property? Because they were afraid of the optics associated with having police and other folks associated with moving people off of that property. But again, it was their property. So let's talk about the last 14, 15 months. Mm-hmm. It's COVID. The COVID ambassadors. Was that you? That was. I know a lot of people talk, called them secret police. Um, oh, really? I had not heard that. You really hadn't? I had not. Really? I had not, no. Um, I think terms Gestapo was being used because that's oh, secret no. police. Okay. I know a lot of restaurant owners were really upset by this. Uh, they felt like a lot of these people were in unmarked clothing, right. shall you say, and then, and then trying to be very authoritative. Do you, were you, did you guys get any complaints about any of these people? Do you think some of these people maybe were overstepping their bounds or trying to act like they were actually police when they weren't? You know, I had not heard that. I mean, honestly, you know, we created uh, the ambassador program based on what they did in Las Vegas. And it was really, de it was really designed to help business owners come into compliance and help them comply with the orders. It was never intended to be overstepping their bounds or any of that. So I had not heard that. So no, we didn't, we never really got complaints. In fact, we only got really positive feedback about how helpful they were. So it would have been helpful to know that because we would have absolutely intervened if we had had, if I had known that that was what people were feeling about them. The not sitting at bar referendum, where you can sit at the bar if you're at the Waffle House, but you can't sit at the bar and eat if you're at Del Frisco's or anywhere else. How much grief did you take for that? A lot. We took a lot of grief for that one. Um, but again, you know, when you, I mean, I don't know, you, you go out to dinner, I'm sure, but you know, you see people when they're at a bar and they're drinking, they tend to sort of cluster. You know, you don't see people clustering at the Waffle House as much as you see people when they're, you know, sitting at a bar having a meal. People, so it really was designed to help people social distance. But yes, we did get a lot of grief for it. Any regrets on that particular one? Where instead of saying, you know what, you can't order drinks at a bar, but you can sit at a bar. Because you know what people did to get around it, right? I, I don't know. I'm sure they did a lot of things they, to get around it. They were it. taking bar tables, yeah. big round bar tables, mm -hmm. pushing them up to the bars. Oh. Going, oh, well, we're sitting at a table that just happens to be at the bar, and the bartenders were still waiting on them. Okay, well, I did, I had not, I did not heard that um, either. That was but all over. Well, I mean, look, we yeah. were trying to do the best we could. We were trying to keep people safe, and, you know, we'll see, you know, time will tell us sort of what the after-action report says. But I will tell you that one of the things that we are doing is we're hiring a consultant who is going to do an after-action report for us and is going to evaluate our response, and it's not, you know, it w they'll be looking at the county's response, but they'll be talking to you know board members, all the people in our policy group, the community, so that we can really understand you know what we did well, what we can do better. Hopefully, we never have to go through this again. But it is a real opportunity to learn how to manage a crisis, and if we can learn something from it, then then that's good. So I mean, these are some of the things that hopefully will come out of that out of that process. I know a lot. Some of the county, or excuse me, some of the towns broke away and didn't follow some of the ordinances or the curfews and stuff like that. The word, the prevailing thought was whatever you decided, Vi Lyles was immediately going to go along with, and there wasn't going to be much dissension. How much conversations did you have with her about the city of Charlotte? 
I didn't speak to her directly, but I spoke to the city manager a lot. Um, so he was at the table the whole time and he would go back and talk to her and, you know, they really, um, I thought they did a really wonderful job of respecting Gibby and her being the public health director and the incident commander and really understanding what needed to be happening from a public health perspective. And so um, she was incredibly supportive. And I think the towns were supportive as well. The, I think the difference is that COVID impacted different parts of the county in different ways. So when you go up north, they, they didn't have the same level of cases and in the southern part of the county that you had in certain parts of Charlotte. So they were really reacting to what they were seeing on the ground in their specific areas. So, you know, I understand why they decided to make those decisions and we all supported everybody. I mean, they had to do what made sense for them and we tried to make sure we continued to provide resources and whatever we could to support that. Gibby, with your dealings with her over the last 15 months, I mean, I would assume that, you know, every once in a while there was a disagreement on the way things should be handled or whatever. What kind of disagreements did you guys ever have on terms of orders or whatever? You know, we never we never disagreed. We talked through everything. Um, and, you know, we always tried to rely on the science and the data. I mean, that's what we always said. We we're going to, you know, we're going to rely on the data. And if the data said this, this is what we were going to do. Every time we did an order, you know, we looked at what's happening across the country and what other people were doing. Um, but, you know, she's the public health person. I mean, I'm not, right? All I can do is, my job is to support her um, and her team and make sure she had the resources and everything she needed to be successful. And that's what I really tried to do. Uh, during this, which is why after a while I sort of really backed away from being at media availabilities and all that because I didn't need to be there anymore and I don't need to be the face of that. She really is the face of it and she was doing a really, really, really good job. Tremendous amount of respect from the community. So, you know, I, I wanted her to, to do, her, do her thing. What do you regret that you did or didn't do over the last 15 months? Well, I think what we did really well is when we, we did decide that we were going to do the stay-at-home order first in the state. I think I think that was what really got the ball rolling and I think we did the right thing there. Um, I think the part that we didn't do well was we didn't recognize soon enough the, um, the way COVID was impacting the community from a racial disparity perspective. I think we were a little late in recognizing that. And so that's something that I think we're much more in tune now to as well. Let's talk about the situation that happened uh, at Christmas. Oh, yeah. So I just remember thinking to myself, did, I was like, did I just hear that? I know. I know. I know what I did. And so, you know, I guess, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's a moment I should take back for sure. But, you know, that was a personal decision that I made. But I'm also, if nothing, I'm also very transparent and I'm not going to not tell the truth. I could have said it differently. As I go back in my mind, I said to myself, you know, you could have answered that question 10 different ways and not have answered it that way, and it, nobody would have been the wiser. But that's just not the kind of person I am. And so... Well, I think what surprised me the most was I was in queue, and I was like six questions down the line, <laughs> and no one brought it up. I was like, wait, wait what? But, you know, but... It's like I, was, I talked out of that side of my mouth, and then I talked out of that side of my mouth. Speaking to the head of the communications department here, they, when we were talking about you, he said, look, you need to understand this about Dina. Dina wants everything transparent, she wants everything known, and she wants doesn't want secrets hidden from her, and she doesn't want secrets hidden from the public. Where did that come from? Why? Because that's that's an anomaly in the in government. Because you, I mean, I'm, maybe it's just a function of my personality, I don't know, but you only get in trouble when you don't tell. I mean, it always, you know, and I think, I think part of it though too, I think we learned that, or I learned that a little bit when we had the issue with the cervical cancer screenings. And we, you know, we were 
there were some pieces of information that we didn't tell the public because we were trying to protect people from panic. So there's a fine line that you have to balance between telling the public what's going on but trying to protect people, you know, people's privacy as well as making sure people don't panic. And so I think I, I did feel a little bit like in that situation we probably could have told more sooner. So that was a lesson learned for me and I've tried to carry that forward um, in situations that have come up since then. Where do you see this county going in the future? I know there was a lot of people that were upset when they decided to do redo property taxes. And so what do you see going forward in terms of taxes, in terms of parks, in terms of everything? And I know it's a very broad question, but where do you, what do you see happening in the near future, say the next five years? Well, I think from an economic perspective, you talk about, you know, revaluation, you know, we're going to be doing that every four years now instead of once every eight years as required by law. So I think, you know, we won't have those swings like we had in the past. So I think we've, we've worked through some of that and I think that's going to be good for the community. I mean, if you look out and you see all the cranes, I mean, economics here are strong. So I feel good about financially where the county's going to be as we go forward. I don't anticipate, of course, you never know another recession or whatever could happen. But even through the pandemic, you know, you could you look back now and economically we're strong, if not stronger than we were before, um, despite certain industries that have been disproportionately impacted. So I feel good about that. I think that our focus is going to be really on um, our MEC playbook, which is our strategic plan uh, for parks. I, that's going to be finalized in the next couple of months. And I think there's going to be a really good push and focus on trying to implement as much as we can um, in that mark, that parks master plan, because that's a, obviously a priority for the community. I think the plan is really good. I think it gives us a really good blueprint. Um, so I think people are going to start to see us making some significant investments there. I think we're going to continue to work really hard on issues around um, the homeless, tent city, and other situations. Have I mean we've always done that, but I think there's opportunities for us to do more. We're going to be working a lot on that. We're we'll continue to work on our early childhood education initiatives because I think those are really important. I think those are game changers for families. So I think we're going to continue a lot of the things that we've been working on um, in the past, um, and hopefully we'll you know have the money to be able to do some really good things. In terms of future for Dina Dioria, you're you're in Charlotte long term. Do you do you ever think about you know what maybe maybe go to a bigger city, bigger state, go to state government or you know, New York, wherever, L.A. Do you ever think about you know, moving on to someplace else? Not today. Um, I, I love what I'm doing, and as long as I continue to love what I'm doing, then I'm going to stay where I am. Um, but, you know, you never know what the future holds, but right now I'm really happy here. I love Charlotte. I think it's a wonderful place to live.